It was November the 29th, which is you know kind of a month and a half ago. <clears throat> and we were looking, of course, at Galatians chapter 5, verse 26. And um, I told you then that um, I, I, I said some things, and then I said, well, we'll have to come back and finish it up in, uh, in January, and here we are. But what I need to do is start with a little bit of a summary, a little bit of a, um, a not so much a summary, but just kind of um, reminding you of what we did um, so that, <laughs> I love this machine, yes. <clears throat> um, yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, so take a look with me at the last sentence in uh, Galatians 5, um, which states this, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, I don't know whether that jogs your memory or not, but let me, let me see if I can do that. The, the key word, uh, the, the admonition is, um, the prohibition is against being conceited. You see that. Um, if you are conceited, uh, if you're guilty of doing that, um, it usually shows itself in a couple of ways, which are listed after the comma. Uh, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, there's one, or envying one another. Um, those are the two responses um, that Paul mentions uh, when, we, when we are guilty of this thing uh, called conceit. <clears throat> that there are, um, there are two uh, ways to respond but they're both rooted in conceit. And let me explain. If you tend to be, um, um, let's just say, somewhat superior, that you think uh, of yourself as better than others, then, um, then if you're guilty of this conceit thing, then you're responding by provoking one another. And, and, and it shows up like this. Um, don't you know how much better I am than you? Um, and it really irritates me that you don't recognize that, and so you provoke. Okay. That is if you tend towards a superior mindset. However, on the other end of the spectrum, if you tend to be more of an inferior then your response is that of envy. Um, poor, <coughs> poor, poor, pitiful me. Why do they have more than me? Nobody should have more uh, than I do. Now, guys, both of those seemingly opposite responses are explained in one word. And it is the Greek word, um, it's the English word that's translated, I mean, that, it's translated conceit. But it's the Greek word, kenodoxoi, um, or uh, my, <clears throat> um, doxa is the Greek word for glory, and um, the word kenodoxoi 
means that there is a glory deficit. I have a glory deficit. I, um, I have a bucket. It's got holes in the bottom. And I keep on running shy of glory. That is dignity, worth. <clears throat> so if I'm superior, um, I want you to recognize how valuable an, in, an, an individual I am, and I want you to fill up my bucket. If I'm inferior, then I'm wondering, why should anyone have more than I do, and I envy? So there's the, there's the possibility of looking down and provoking, or looking up and envying. But they both come from the same thing. A glory deficit. I just want somebody to fill up my glory bucket. And when you don't do it, it leads to disruption in relationships in lots of ways. But the root cause is still the same. I am running shy of glory or dignity or worth or honor, whatever word you'd like to plug in there. I want somebody to make me feel like I've got some worth. And uh, you having more than I do really makes me feel my glory deficit. But also, if you don't recognize how much better I am than you are, that also makes me feel my glory deficit. And thus, um, relationships um, explode. Now, that's pretty much the summary of, um, of November the 29th. Um, whether you are condescending, that is that you look down on others, or you're a shy person and you're looking up and envying others, you're both guilty of conceit. You are both self-consumed, self-centered, or in this translation language, conceited. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to address this deficit that I feel in me, and I'm trying to get you to do it, and you won't play ball. And therefore, we end up with uh, fractured relationships um, more often than not. But in both instances, ladies and gentlemen, whether you're condescending or shy, you are focusing on how the other person makes you feel about yourself. So, you both have... 
kenodoxoi, a glory deficit. Um, And all of that is why Paul adds this last sentence, verse 26, to his exhortation in verse 25, walk by the Spirit. Because you see, this kind of behavior is typical of those people who are not walking by the Spirit. And that's why he adds this sentence. Remember, I, I, I tried to tell you, um, so many of the commentaries moved verse 26 into chapter 6. And they ought not do that. Um, Paul adds this sentence to give us an, um, some, some, ex- some ideas about what it looks like when we're walking according to the flesh. So, my dear brother and sister in Christ, when we are guilty of envy or provoking, <clears throat> it's because we're conceited. It's because we have a glory deficit. It's because the glory bucket is empty. And uh, the, uh, the strategy that I have to fill it means that you've got to treat me in a way that I think I should be treated. Well, thanks a lot, Dr. Young. <laughs> now that you have um, um, pointed out all of my emotional illnesses, uh, I'm so glad I came tonight. Um, <clears throat> now that I am more aware of how to label my brokenness. <clears throat> well, um, let me send you home with, um, with some encouragement. Here's the encouragement of the passage. Walk by the Spirit. Let's close in prayer. Um, guys, the Holy Spirit is God's answer to all of our brokenness. Okay. I, 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 I agree. But how is it? What can you what can you give us that will help us um, walk by the Spirit? Um, okay, let's let's do that now. <clears throat> All right, guys, go back up to verse twenty five, and you know that verse twenty five starts with, um, "It is the Spirit that brought you to life." Guys, if you don't know what that's called, that's called regeneration. Theologically, that's, uh, those, uh, those six words are a reference to the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, So he brought you to life by his Spirit. Got that? Pretty easy. <clears throat> it is that same Spirit, as he brought you to life, that also showed you the beauty of the gospel. Um, it is that gospel that creates within us a whole new self-image, which we're going to talk about at, at, little, at length, not at length, but a little more. The Holy Spirit brings me to life. Having brought me to life, he points me towards the beauty of the gospel and the provisions that Christ has made for wicked people like me. <clears throat> and it is that gospel 
that helps me reconstruct my whole sense and my whole view of myself. Um, In this new definition, I find that I don't need to be haunted by kinodoxoi, by my, my, my glory deficit, because, because I'm in Christ, all of my needs for value, all of my needs for worth and dignity and honor are met in my union with Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't need self-esteem. What I need is Christ-esteem. And may I say this, and this is going to bite. All you mothers and daddies out there who are desperately trying to build your children's self-esteem, It's a huge mistake. You are doing nothing but sending them right over into this camp. Mama and daddy, point your kids to Christ. That's where their worth and their dignity is going to be found. Not because they're a good trumpet player or they're really good soccer players. But I'm telling you, we are desperate as parents to give our children something that will hurt them. Self-esteem. Ladies and gentlemen, my worth, my worth and my dignity and my value is not found in how well I perform. It's found in my union with Christ. Let me, let, me, let, me put, let me give you this sentence, because I, I'm, 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 I created this one, which there's not many of I do, so um, this is an original thought. The love of God is not value recognizing. It's value creating. God doesn't look at uh, individuals and say, now, aren't they cute? And they're really bright. And boy, can he hit a baseball. I think I'll love him. It doesn't recognize value. It creates value. You know what? I'm loved. And because I am, because of this grand work of God, my my, um, need for glory does not need to enslave me because I've been given it as a gift of grace in my union with Christ. Guys, I've used this illustration, and I'm sorry. I've probably done it half a dozen times in here, but if you haven't heard it, it's still new. And and it's kind of a dangerous illustration. So you got to let me finish it before you leap to a conclusion, okay? But I, I love to do this. I mean, I say it in my office a lot, too, but I've said it here a lot, too. Here goes. I hope you love me. I hope you praise me. I hope you honor me. Uh, I hope you think that I'm the best preacher that you've ever heard.
But if you don't, it's okay. Because I don't need you. I don't need you to fill up my bucket by going and telling your friends how wonderful I am. I already have worth because my life is hidden with Christ in God. Guys, give up this godless pursuit of some kind of self-image that is constructed and founded upon your good or bad performance. It does nothing but worsen your condition. It makes us more ill, not less ill. Um, You know, there's so many studies about how many people in prison have very high self-esteem. Guys, you need to point your kids towards the finished work of Christ and tell them, because of the glories of grace, we can be in union with him. And now, because I don't need you to love me, I don't have to manipulate you. I don't have to um, coax you into praising me. What I can do is serve you because I don't need you. Oh, please say something nice about me. You see, that's needing you. And therefore, there's nothing godly about that. But once I discovered that my bucket can be filled in my understanding my union with Christ... Now I'm set free. I'm set free to go love you and serve you. Um, Gang, it is only the gospel that gives me a legitimate view of myself. And here's what it does. First of all, the gospel humbles me before, any, before everyone, telling me I am a sinner saved by grace alone. That's why I think Arminianism is so dangerous, because it so elevates the, the, the will of man. Guys, <clears throat> the gospel tells me that I'm a sinner, there is nothing I can do to save myself, and that I am saved by sovereign grace alone. But that same gospel also tells me, it emboldens me before anyone or everyone, telling me that I am loved and that I am valued in the eyes of the only one in the universe that matters. So you want to view yourself? There it is. The gospel humbles me. And tells me apart from God's sovereign intervention, I would be, I would perish. At the same time, it, it emboldens me about my worth and value. 
because it tells me that I am loved. A, a love that didn't recognize value in me. It's a love that created value in me. I have worth. I have value, whether you ever see it or not. And so now I don't, I don't need to try to get you to fill up my bucket. My bucket's already full. That's what it means, ladies and gentlemen, to walk in the Spirit or walk by the Spirit. I go back to the gospel and remind myself, I should walk humbly, but I should walk boldly. I should walk humbly because I'm a sinner. And I mean, I even hate to say that because I'm much worse than just a sinner. But I'm a sinner, and I was saved by the kind intervention of a, of a gracious God. But because he intervened, I have everlasting eternal worth. Now, this doesn't mean I'm right, but it sure is nice to find somebody like John Stott agreeing with you. And I want to read you a quote from John Stott. If you don't know John Stott, John Stott's an Anglican. He's dead now. I, I think he's dead. I'm pretty sure he's dead. But, I mean, <clears throat> um, he's in print numerous times. And uh, it's one of his, his commentary in Galatians that I lean on awfully heavily. But in that commentary, he says this. To sum up then, truly Christian relationships are governed not by rivalry, listen, but by service. Why is there so little service in the kingdom of God? Because we can't afford to risk. We've got to, we've got to have you serve me because somebody's got to fill up my, my, my glory bucket. And I interrupted him. To sum up then, truly Christian relationships are governed not by rivalry, but by service. Listen. The correct attitude to other people is not, I'm better than you and I'll prove it, provoking, nor is it, you're better than I am and I resent it, envy. But the correct attitude to other people is, I'm quoting, you are a person of importance in your own right and it is my joy and privilege to serve you. <laughs> That's kind of rare, don't you think? Why? Because your parents taught you and you're teaching your kids that you've got to go out there, son, and you've got to be such a good performer that people will recognize just how valuable you are. Guys, um, every other world religion um, 
tells you to establish your own worth via your performance. It is only the Christian gospel that calls upon you to rest upon the performance of another on your behalf. You ought to be set free from all of this striving. No, no. we ought to be set free. We're not. Because it's hard to kick this habit, is it not? The, the, the concern I have is that we're just perpetuating the problem by telling our kids at Chick-fil-A, Oh, good, Sonny, you ate your chicken nuggets. What a wonderful kid you are. What? Um, guys, um, Susie and I would both tell you that we would love to go back and reparent. We're, we, we made the same mistakes that you're making. Um, but um, one of the things that we did, and I think that was right, we, when, the, when the report cards came home, we never celebrated academic excellence. Oh, that's good. But what's better is you've been faithful to use gifts that God has given you. We point our kids to Christ, not their performance. What you're doing is just boring more holes in the bottom of their buckets. Every other major religion tells you to go do it that way. It is only the Christian gospel that can produce a sense of quietude of our own souls by pointing you to the realization that because my life is hidden with Christ in God, I don't need to fight this anymore. I have all the dignity and worth and honor and glory that I'll ever need because I'm in union with Christ. So, you want to know how to walk by the Spirit? You've just been told. When there's the envying and the, riv- and the provoking and the rivalries, just know. <laughs> That's something else. That's good. Our Father, um, I, I pray that you will open all of our eyes to see the, the, the beauty of the gospel all over again. It is the gospel in which we are told that we should um, cast ourselves on the finished work of Christ because his performance is utterly perfect. But it is also the gospel that says that those who belong to you are people um, whose eternities are safe, their lives are meaningful, and their calling is secure, and the duty is spelled out for us. Would you help us, Father, uh, flee to the gospel again and again as we try to overcome uh, all of the uh, uh, tendencies that we have to get people to try and meet our needs? They can't, Lord. 
And we know that, but we keep on doing it. Please forgive us and draw us um, again and again back to the beauty of the finished work of Jesus Christ, the only, the only performer in the universe that really matters. We ask it all, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.